Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast covering high profile and under the radar cases from across the country every week. I'm your host, Anna Garcia. You've probably seen the headlines about an extraordinary group of volunteer divers who travel the country with their boats and their sonar equipment, and they search bodies of water for missing people and their cars. They've been able to find what police dive teams have missed and they have solved dozens of cases. They are called Adventures with Purpose, and they have a huge following on YouTube, and we've been trying to get them on the show, and they are here today. But first, it's what some are calling a case of fatal attraction. A young sheriff's deputy falls for an older woman that he met at work, and when he finds out that she's back with her husband, police say he shot and killed his lover, and then he shot her husband. Both execution style in their bedroom while they were sleeping. We are recording this on Wednesday, September 14th of 2022. And joining us today is Luis Bolaños, who is a law enforcement expert, a former homicide detective, a victim advocate. Luis also runs his own private investigation firm called Get Bit a friend of the show, a friend and colleague of mine. And it's always such a pleasure to have you, Lewis. How are you? Welcome back. I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Anna. I'm happy to be here. It's good to see you. You look yep. all bright and shiny and happy. That's wonderful. Um, I'm very excited for the opportunity to speak with Adventures with Purpose. I have been following these guys for a while. Wow, have they set a whole new level threshold for cold case investigations. I um, can't wait to hear their secret. 
I know. I, I We've tried to get them on the show, and it's been hard, a scheduling issue. And then, um, full transparency here, it was Lewis who actually booked them. <laughs> Lewis and I had been talking, and Lewis is like, that's it. I am going to try and book them. And they said, sure. So we're so thrilled because... The way I look at it is we're talking about ordinary people doing extraordinary things in the world of solving crimes. And that is a gift. That is a gift. So I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, exciting. All right. But we've got a case before that. This case is out of Northern California in the Bay Area, where a sheriff's deputy has been charged with two murders. This happened in the tranquil suburb of Dublin, California. 24-year-old Devin Williams Jr. had been an Alameda County Sheriff's deputy for just one year. He worked mostly at the courthouse. He also worked at the jail, and he spent a lot of time transporting inmates to and from a local psychiatric hospital, and that's where he met a nurse named Maria Tran and fell instantly in love with her. Last week, Deputy Williams allegedly killed Maria and her 57-year-old husband, Benison Tran, after discovering that Maria was back with her husband. Louis, the amazing thing is that he was working a double shift. Um, his second shift was at that jail. He got off at 11, and sometime after midnight, he had broken into their home. Yeah, I, I think as they start digging through the uh, digital evidence here, they're going to see that he was thinking about this that whole night. This, he, this was on his mind during his entire shift. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the text messages, phone records show. Uh, uh, but th- this is uh, obviously something that he was premeditated. Uh, but something kept building inside him. There were some triggers that just uh, made him feel that he had to stop on the way home from work. A double shift at that. Exactly. So yeah. you know he's tired. Uh, yeah. I know he's young. He's 24. But a double shift is, is definitely hard on anyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, the police have said... As we get into it, they keep saying, did we, as as police officers, as a department, did we miss some signs of what was going on with this young man? And again, we don't know what happened that night to set this off, but the theory is that he was hurt and upset because Maria was no longer with him. And, and there's a lot more background on there on their relationship that we are hearing from the deputy's mother, which right. is very interesting. Right. Um, right. So we'll put that all into context, yeah, all of it. I, I just want to comment on that because I, I think it's it's extraordinary. And, and, and I'm glad to hear that the police department are asking themselves those tough questions. Did we miss some signs? Um, because the public is going to want to know. And you, you could do everything right and trying to check background and check mental status and, and just do everything you do to try to clear the, the to meet your threshold, but you, you could still miss it. And, and sometimes you can do everything wrong and really show zero due diligence and try and identify potential problems uh, and nothing happens. And there's just so many factors in this, but I'm glad to hear they're looking at it. And I know one of the things they're going to look at closer, hopefully, is that he spent a year at Stockton Police Department and did not make it through his training program. So he was let go. Um, you know, that may or may not be indicative of anything. Uh, it, it, those training programs, uh, officers are let go for a variety of reasons, whether they're not behaving correctly on or off duty. Maybe they, they don't have the ability to write police reports. They lack the passion to, to really push investigations. Or sometimes it may just be a, a, a 
personality conflict with somebody. And yet they still can move on to other departments and do very, very, very well because it's a much more like the rest of us, right? Sometimes we don't do well at one job. We move to right. another location and it's your surrounding environment and your team members and it just clicks. Uh, so I, it'll be interesting to see uh, what his history is with that. But Well, the public, yeah. you know, I've been reading the comments on different um, news organizations' websites, and the, the comments are kind of go back to the same over and over again. Hold on a second. He didn't make the cut at the Stockton Police Department, and then he gets hired by Alameda County's Alameda County Sheriff's Department. How is that possible? They're and they're they're saying like, how is this possible? What is it that Stockton saw that Alameda County did not? Now, mind you, had this double murder not happened, maybe no one would be asking those questions. Yeah, very very possible. And, th- and those are more than reasonable questions and concerns. So uh, we'll see. But that is going to be filtered through. I, I know we're going to get more clarification on that. And it's very frightening to the public to think that the person who drove into this very quiet little neighborhood after midnight to a home filled with family members, including a child, and goes in there using what police say is most likely his service revolver to kill two people of the, you know, of the community, a couple who did nothing is frightening to people because he's supposed to be in charge. He is, but something clicked, another switch, right? We, we've seen relationships go sideways where uh, we've said in other cases, where just get a divorce, right? Why right. do you go to the different level? Just go in a different direction and move on. You're 24. Um, You're 24. It, it, you could have anyone. You have your whole yeah, life ahead of you. Yeah. And again, his mother, so mm-hmm. insightful with how she was concerned about this relationship and, you know, reportedly told him, this is not good. You've got to get out of this relationship. That's his own mother. So let's get back to that night, and then we're going to get into the relationship, because I think that's very important, because we're all trying to figure out, like, why? Why did this happen? So the trans were shot in the head and in the neck several times, and they died in their bedroom on September 7th. This was just last week. So the noise from this attack woke the trans 14-year-old son who walked in and saw things he should have never seen in his life. And the trauma, not just the trauma of losing your parents, but of what he witnessed. Maria's mother and brother were also visiting and in the house, and a brother-in-law. And it, it appears that one of the family members called 911. The first part of the call, the, the person is saying, well, there's an intruder that broke in. Um, and they, and they said that he had taken off in a Volkswagen. And then one family member, recognized the deputy. Yeah, yeah, they sure did. And gave the information that helped officers make a rather quick identification of this person and get things moving along. Um, a lot of times, uh, well, they, they knew who it was. They had a name, and they the officers went immediately to the uh, license plate scanning system. They had technology, and they knew what plate to look for. They saw a vehicle that, uh, what vehicle to look for, and they saw a vehicle that matched the description that was given to them, and they were able to get a plate and the registered owner of that plate within minutes, within minutes of the 911 call. So that's phenomenal, a lot of luck, but some really good police work. And it's always good to acknowledge that because sometimes these really basic things aren't done, and who knows what could have happened if they never had them ID'd. But I think uh, they felt very strong within the first few minutes who they had 
and they had eyewitness. Right. And the other thing they did was they were able to use his cell phone to track him. So between the license plate readers and the cell phone, they realized he was on the move and heading south. Where exactly? We don't know, but he was heading south of uh, the Bay Area. And then at one point, they lose the signal and they lose track of him. And what's interesting is he was on the run for something like 11 hours. And in that time, he was also talking to his mother, who was trying to convince him to turn himself in that he and she was also trying to convince him. She told him, do not be a coward and kill yourself to get out of this. Do not do the cowardly thing. You turn yourself in. So she was trying to get him. Right, right. You know, and and then the police department, obviously, all the police departments, because the crime happened in Dublin, but he worked for Alameda County. So once the Dublin police figured out that the shooter, the suspected shooter, killer in this case, Deputy Devin Williams had a relationship with Maria Tran, the victim, then they that's when they needed to know more. It wasn't just about finding him, which was, you know, obviously job one, but also figuring out, like, what's happened here? So the trans, now, some of this is a little vague, and I think it's all going to come out a little as soon as we get more information. This is fresh. This just happened a week ago. The trans apparently separated earlier this year, and that's when Maria began seeing Devin. Now, Devin is 20 years younger than she is. And the problem we think is that Maria allegedly told Devin um, that she was not only younger, but also that her marital status was different than what it was. He believed her to be available and divorced. And apparently that is not the truth. And so we don't know what happened there. If it was a misunderstanding, if someone was misled, I, I did happen to catch the press conference by the police chief mm-hmm. of Alameda, uh, Chief Holmes. And it was interesting because the information was coming in fresh uh, uh, he, as they were doing the press conference. But he announced, he came out, and you can just tell he was just very emotional about this because he had literally just gotten off the phone with Devin and talked to him for about 45 minutes. One of your own, one of... One of somebody you're in charge of and uh, helped convince him to turn himself in safely. Uh, and at that time, like, as you mentioned earlier, they were pinging him, they were checking his cell phone. They were able to send CHP units to his location, keeping on 45 minutes is all ways of different ways of triangulating where he's at. Um, so thank goodness that happened in that fashion. But when that chief was done, you can just tell that he was just, you know, completely blindsided him. him. And the timing of it was interesting because this is the next morning and police are getting ready for a news conference to update everyone on this alleged killer that they're looking for. Meanwhile, because you can even see the video, a lot of the news cameras that were there are shooting through the glass windows and you can see them on the phone with Devin Williams. And so they delayed the news conference and, and, you know, right. And yes, the CHP was waiting for him. By the time he pulled off the interstate, interstate five, he was about 150 miles away south from where the murders had occurred. So I'd love to know what was going on in those 11 hours because yeah. it doesn't take 11 hours to drive 150 miles. 
no, he, he probably was just driving. He knew he knew he would be identified. I mean, it was if he wanted to be caught, he couldn't have tried any harder to leave his, his fingerprint behind his, uh, who he was. But they knew he was identified. He left the rounds they recovered at the scene were the same rounds that type of casings that the department issues. Um, it, so, yeah. It, Is that, he, I, I wanted to ask you that, mm-hmm. Lewis. So the ammunition that police departments use, is it radically different than what a consumer would use? It is. It is. Um, and it's, a lot of it is available to consumers. Um, but yeah, they, they use a specific type usually. This particular brand was a brand I'm not familiar with. It was kind of an okay. off-brand, I believe. So it made it even more unique that uh, the department was issuing those rounds. Ah, uh, uh, got it. Yeah. So Devin's mother, Anitria Williams, told Fox 2 News that Maria had not been truthful about her age or availability. I think this is important. Again, we need to understand what was going on here. Two people are dead. And this, and believe me, there is no good reason to kill anyone at all. I'm just trying to figure out what in the world was going on in this man's head. So the two began dating in January and Devin thought that he was in love. He loved her so much. He brought her home to his parents' house, his family home in Stockton. He comes from a prominent family in Stockton. Like that's another thing that the um, police chief was saying and, and and that folks from Alameda County were saying, we just don't get it. He's well-educated. He was an honor student. He comes from this amazing family. What, you know, it's like, he's the last one that they expected this from. So she says that um, he was blinded by love. Those are her words. And that she warned him not to get involved. Anitra Williams told the TV station, quote, that Maria represented herself as a 35-year-old single mother who had recently divorced. Maria was actually 42 and most likely separated. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I get two or three calls a month from people who are uh, professionals and thinking about getting into a relationship and they want some due diligence done. Really? So before someone goes out on a date with someone, they call you? Yeah. And or any other PI out there. Those type of those services are out there. Um, Lewis, where were you in my life? (laughs) Well, you could have kept me from horrible mistakes in my life. Yeah. You're not alone, Anna. Right. In that. Right. Uh, But it's just crazy. I mean, mean, things like this justify those type of, of background checks. It's just it's just crazy where that's, you know, what times are dictating. But uh, nothing would have yeah. come up on him. What what would you have found? You would have found, you well, know, a young man, okay, who maybe flunked out of Stockton Police Department, but was working at Alameda. My answer to that is I would have done the background check on just him. I would have done it on her, which it would indicate if she's still married oh. and not divorced, no court proceedings in family law, or maybe some, right? They haven't got to the divorce point, official point yet. So, uh, you know, you always check them both out. <laughs> Right. So who knows what that would have brought up. Um, Oh, that's interesting. So Devin's mother also added this, which is very interesting. She said the two of them had taken a 10-day holiday. That's a long time to be on a trip with someone, right? That sounds like a real commitment to me. And that Maria had told Devin that she loved him on this trip. So from his perspective, according to his mother... Everything's going really well, even though mom really does not want this relationship to be going on. Right. Right. Uh, This is the worst mom told you so you could have. Yeah, absolutely. 
So here's the other thing. While detectives are sorting out this relationship, trying to figure out motive, trying to understand how now you have, you know, a child who's lost his parents. And it, and uh, Mrs. Williams um, did say publicly, she said, I am not defending my son. I do not condone violence. I think this is horrible what he has done. And she also said, and my heart breaks for this 14-year-old who doesn't have parents. And again, she was trying to convince her son to turn himself in. We report so often on family members who try to protect right. the suspects, try to hide them, deny, deny. And and here you see a woman trying to do the right thing in a horrible situation. Yeah, she really did. And you're right. It is unique. Uh, we don't yeah, see that enough. Yeah, it is. Most people would try and stash him somewhere, give him money and get him out of out of the country, right? Yeah, yeah. and she knew very well what that meant to him if, if he was arrested. Yeah, Absolutely. So they're gathering um, more evidence as far as like the rounds that you were discussing, the nine millimeter made by Spear, S-P-E-E-R, um, that the Alameda County Sheriff's Department does use. Then detectives listen to the 911 call again, and they believe that they could hear six gunshots, which is interesting, which means this, I'm wondering, and this hasn't been released, was something being said? Because if if you're calling 911 and he hasn't fired yet, something's going on. Right, right. And yeah, I think we saw something they're keeping close to the chest for now. And yes. especially since... They captured him. He's alive. Uh, it really could come to fruition that it's a good thing they did not release that. Mm, right. Uh, so. Exactly. One of the interesting things that investigators did was that they used a photo of Devin Williams along with other photos and showed it to the family members who were in the house to help, in a way, I guess, positively ID him. So... Lewis, do you find that situations like that are genuinely helpful or when you're dealing with um, a photo, it's like, yes, that's him, you know, like you see it on TV all the time. Is is that genuinely helpful? I think those lineups, uh, when you get a positive identification like that, are extremely powerful uh, because they help lead to an arrest warrant, which is what happened here. You had two positive confirmations of who that was. Um, and they had to get what's known as a rainy arrest warrant, which is something you get uh, in the middle of the night or on weekends when office hours are, are not open and you're in a hurry. Uh, so that's when you do the old proverbial. They still do it today. We go knock on the judge's door and, or call him, say, I'm coming over, judge. Right. And you let him read uh, your declaration as to uh, the arrest warrant. So that's what they did that night. And they expedited because of the urgency, obviously. But yeah, very powerful. Very powerful. So he finally is captured, as we said, um, after a long conversation with the chief of police at the Dublin Police Department and after who knows how many conversations with his mother. And of course, he's, you know, booked immediately. And the amazing part is he is being held in the same jail in which he worked and had finished his shift at 11 o'clock that night before he allegedly killed this couple. I find that astonishing. Why would you put him in the jail in which he worked? Isn't that a dangerous situation really for everybody? Yes, that is a horrible idea. We see that happen occasionally, but a lot of times you worry about potential conflicts of interest that are going to be created, whether in the, in the suspect's favor or against him. Um, either way, you're building ammo for one of the sides. 
take him to another location where the people he worked with are not supervising him. Um, it's just, it just creates so many problems. So yeah, I agree. Not the best idea. And he's still there. That's the shocking part that no one has said, you know what, we need to move him out of this facility. Right. Uh, it, it's very, I'm glad to hear the police saying, you know what, we're going to investigate to see what we missed. But those words mean so much less to me after you go ahead and you take this man and you hold him in the same jail in which his buddies work. I'm sorry. Right. No, I, I don't agree. believe you anymore. We're looking for some consistency here. Um, you would think somebody would have had this conversation with him. All right, it's been, he's been there for a few days, a week. Like, let's, let's move him. Um, I'm sure you're that's losing happened. the public's trust. The, the, the public is already questioning you and saying, hold on a second. You hire a guy who couldn't make it at another police department. So you hire him here. He's on the job one year. He allegedly then takes his gun and kills two people. And now we you're telling us, oh, you're going to investigate this. But you are holding him in a jail, which he could probably get very favorable treatment. Yeah. Or be attacked if he worked in that jail. And so, I mean, correct. it's two ends of it. So Correct, correct, right. which wouldn't be right either. Right. Okay, so um, here's, the, here's the other part. Like, what happened to the gun? According to detectives, he told them that he tossed the gun and they have been searching for it. I don't know if they're going to find it. It's like a needle in a haystack. I worry about public safety when there's a gun out there that potentially is loaded and we can pick up. I, oh. I, I think they have, well, never, you never have enough, but they have quite a bit of evidence against them right now. So, Oh, that's a good yeah. point. I didn't even think about that, Lewis. Inside his gray Volkswagen, authorities reportedly uncovered William's duty-issued weapon box, safety gear, and additional spear ammunition. Detectives also observed what appeared to be blood in the interior of the vehicle. If that blood turns out to be the victim's blood, either of the trans, that'll be very powerful. Right. right. Very powerful. Again, there's more to this than just a jilted lover. One of the things they said about why he was released from Stockton, um, they're not allowed to talk about it because it's a personnel issue. Right. But uh, according to KNTV's reporting... They said that in, so in 2020, Devin Williams was at Stockton and that he didn't pass the six month probationary period because not of a conduct issue they're reporting, but rather he failed the field training section. What does that mean? Well, that covers the whole spectrum of everything under law enforcement, right? Usually when you get assigned to a brand new police department, you go through a field training officer program four to six months. In this case, it sounds like it was six months and you sign off every single possible responsibility law enforcement has by people who are supervising you. So one part in that whole training process he failed, which could you know, qualify under that very generic umbrella term that really doesn't signify anything. We knew he failed training. We already knew that. So that training is called the field training officer program. Got it. And so then he went to work at Alameda. And what's interesting is that the murders happened near on right there on his one year anniversary with the department. This morning, he was supposed to have a hearing and it was postponed. It has been delayed until October 19th. So he has not entered a plea yet. And he's being held without bail. Yeah. 
I have a feeling when more information comes out, it's going to be very interesting. Our next segment spans several cases, and it is about the amazing work that is being done by a volunteer crime-solving group called Adventures with Purpose. Joining us now are Peter Coughlin and Doug Bishop of Adventures with Purpose. I can't tell you how happy I am to have you here. We have been trying to get you on the program for such a long time because I personally and this team, we are such, I can't use the word fans. But I can say I have such deep respect for what you do and the contributions you make to these families who suffer, suffer waiting for answers. And you help. You help them, even though the answers are grim. And I thank you for that. And you're rock stars for doing that. Plus, you look like rock stars. Uh, you're, 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 you're very welcome. And thank you for, for your support. It, it's critical. All right. So I, I want to know, Lewis and I um, have been talking about you for some time. I want to know, you all started as um, an environmental cleanup group, right? Out of Bend, Oregon. You just wanted to get the trash and the junk out of our our um, waterways. How did you make the transition from that kind of volunteerism to being smack in the middle of some of the biggest cases that that we're dealing with now? What is it that you use um, that is different? Because a lot of the bigger police departments, right, Lewis, have dive teams. So I'm trying to figure out here, um, what are the dive teams, the police dive teams missing that Adventures with Purpose is finding? I just want to add to that (laughs) because most police officers, their entire career, go their entire career without ever being attached or part of a cold case solving it's very rare. Um, and I, I was a member of the dive team, as I think I sent you in the letter here in Southern California for 10 years. Um, not once as a dive team did we ever solve a cold case. Uh, it's just crazy. You guys have developed something new, something different um, uh, with, that's clicking and making sense. Um, and, and and most dive teams don't do it at the rate you guys are doing. It's it's phenomenal. You have figured something out, and I hope that law enforcement is observing this and watching and listening, saying, "Teach us," because there's no other answer. No one else is doing what you guys are doing. That's really phenomenal work. Because not every police department has a dive team, right. and that's that's very important. It's like we've talked about this: canines, you know, horseback, um, helicopters. Depending on the resources in the in the town, not everyone's got a dive team. But in some of the cases that and uh, you've solved more than twenty, Doug. How many have you solved so far? Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is twenty-four lives and yeah. families. Is that since two thousand nineteen? That is in the last two years. That's amazing. Phenomenal. That's amazing. It is. It's phenomenal. It really is. So what I'm trying to figure out here then is what is it that you're doing differently? Or is it that you have more time and more resources? Again, what are you doing differently that the the police departments with dive teams are doing? You you know, there's 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 several different uh, variables that come into play in answering this. Uh, You touched on it briefly, such as the lack of resources in some cases and, and, and in a lot of areas, you know, that some of these departments and these uh, agencies, they just don't have the resources. We are we're all familiar with the cutbacks on funding and and, you know, the the whole, you know, 
the going to find a new job, you know, era and and so forth. It, it combined with if you do have the resource, um, do you really know how to use it? Um, you also throw into there. There's not a national school for sonar because, first of all, what we do number one is, um, you know, respectively, common sense investigating, just old school Scooby doing it. A mm-hmm. Second, second, we use sonar. Sonar is the magic in what we do. You know, we specialize in sonar. Sonar itself is a relatively new technology, um, and there's no school for it. And, you know, you, you take into consideration, we use this almost every day, specifically targeting vehicles underwater. Um, you can have agencies that, one, have never used it, B, only use it a couple of times a year. So um, it comes down to field experience that we've organically taught ourselves that really contribute to the success we're having, as well as being divers, being able to have the vision of learning sonar and also being divers underwater and forming those visions together that help us in a whole nother level reach sonar. Um, And and it's just a gray area as a whole in law enforcement. Um, And they are, they are really aggressive in wanting to learn. You know, the, the, the case that we just solved, Kylie Rodney was, there's 18 agencies and including the FBI and CHP and 19,000 man hours that were placed at this lake in two, two weeks. And we come into that lake and find her within 35 minutes. What explains 35 minutes, dear Lord. What, what, what explains that is field experience. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and no matter what subject area you're talking about, field experience will always trump classroom experience because it's hands on. And the, the representatives that were there were doing their best that they could with the knowledge that they had. Uh, you know, these are representatives that in some of these positions out there searching had never been in that position. They're in ancillary duties, uh, trying to make the most out of, you know, what they're able to do, placing people in positions, putting a body there. Um, they, they did the best they could with the knowledge that, that they had at the time. So it's, uh, it's 100% comes down to, you know, sonar gray area, not being schooling on it, and also, you know, field experience and resources. I want to remind everyone in case they're not familiar with Kylie's case. So Kylie was 16 years old. She went missing from the Prosser family campground near Truckee, California. That's up north. And this was following a graduation party with hundreds of partygoers. She was last seen alive on August 6th of this year of 2022 between the hours of 1230 and 1 a.m. This is a small window of time when they realized she was last seen alive. Um, she was declared missing and it was one of the largest missing person searches that we've had in California history. As you said, 18 different agencies, boats, dive teams, helicopters, everything. More than two weeks after you all were able to find Kylie's car, a silver 2013 Honda CRV. It was submerged in 14 feet of water right by the campground, right there. And we still don't have an official cause of death yet. And so that case clearly is still under investigation. We don't know what happened if she accidentally drove in there. Um, again, we, we don't know what happened to this team, but it was a huge case. It made national headlines and you all were, were able to solve it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, as tragic as it is, it's a, it's a extremely necessary evil, but not evil. You know, we're, 
what we do is providing answers that in most cases no, no one else would have been able to provide so there's a it's it's honoring to be able to help provide those answers this particular case we're speaking on definitely came with a di- little bit of a, a different climate than we're used to um mm-hmm. but rightfully so you know this the america wants answers uh, you know my thoughts and prayers go out to the family as mm-hmm. this you know continuing to be the topic is um i still think necessary because uh if this is indeed foul play you know there could never be enough coverage on this. But how how did you get involved in the case? Meaning, did um, Kylie's family call you in or did the police call you in? Yes. So when nowadays, when anybody goes missing, we receive hundreds of notifications, tags, emails, messages, so forth. This case entered national headlines and it got to the point where we we had, we had tens of thousands of those those comments, those tags, those messages. You know, I, I spoke with several different agents from different agencies prior. Uh, I was in communication with uh, Placer County Sheriff's Department um, every step of the way. Uh, we you know we aligned what we were doing prior to coming in, as well as being in communication with Kylie's extended family um, at the time of us coming in. Uh, her mom wasn't able to receive any communication because, for one, she's she's got a media wall around her by detectives, rightfully so. And also, um, you know, the the uh, the area that they're at and they were embedding them themselves in this search didn't receive cell service. So uh, we were in communication with the extended family as well as multiple agencies there on the ground coming into it. And, uh, you know, it's a really just a push by the community. The community is the reason the agencies reached out to us. You know, um, it's, a, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when social media can be used in such a positive way. You know, we have so much negativity on this world in this world and, you know, coming from social media. And here it is. Something really beautiful is happening left and right with our our organization which is we're just a vessel of the community the community gives us our cases the community you know directly funds everything we do every step of the way and um you know it's it, we really do it, it's an honor we take it seriously lewis um from the law enforcement perspective how how does a police agency in the middle of an investigation work with um people of the public right like how do you keep uh, the integrity of the investigation, yet, uh, and and take the assistance from the public, which can be a little tricky. Yes, we've experienced that ourselves. Not not at this level, but I think there's a common denominator there. I think the biggest thing is is that uh, Doug and Peter have, through their success and their character and the contacts and the relations they've been able to establish, not just with the communities but with law enforcement. Their credibility is growing and growing because there's part of things they get to see in here that most usually won't until they earn that. It's a it's a tough threshold, um, but that as uh, Doug mentioned, the, the community starts screaming for your assistance. Uh, law enforcement agents will will listen to that. Uh, say something's not clicking here. Something's not right. Uh, let's let's get another person look at this. Another organization. You know, I, you said something that really resonated with me, Doug, in that. Uh, there is no classes, no schooling for sonar. And I find that so wrong in so many ways. 30 years ago, I had the honor of going to a school that was sponsored by an organization called the KC Foundation in Maricopa County, Arizona. And at that time, it was the elite dive school in the country. 
for search and recovery teams. Mm-hmm. Um, zero sonar, but of course uh, that's 30 years ago. But the reason yeah. that thing was founded and, and successful, and we learned a lot, it was crazy what we were able to go do with uh, that no other uh, entity in the country had access to. But that was funded because there was a family member, Casey Johnson from the motor, uh, Casey Engine, Johnson Motors, that had a family member, a child that drowned in those same lakes. And he didn't want anybody else to feel the pain that his family felt trying to recover that small child. So he started his organization where they paid for anybody, any member of law enforcement or volunteers, they were legit members of that team to come and get that training. Um, I find it hard to believe that doesn't exist for sonar when it's raising the levels and the recovery and the percentages of being successful so much. Is there any work in that area going on? Anything we can do to help move that forward? You know, there's 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 a lot of movement behind the scenes uh, on this topic. Uh, you know, as, as you stated, you know, success is contagious and, and, you know, respect is earned as well. You know, so this the recent success that we've had, you know, the, the level of, you know, the character that we represent ourselves with, you know, as well as, you know, we do try to be professional every step of the way. Uh, you know, law enforcement agencies are, you know, they're reaching out. Um, you know, these agencies that were involved in the Kylie case reached out two days later and said, you know, Doug, we we're, egos aside, even though you shattered them, we need to sit down with you and we need to learn from this. We need to take something away from this so that we can better ourselves. What do you do? How do you do it? What do you use? What are your tactics, your methods? And that was extremely beneficial for both of us because where we can give them our knowledge and, and wisdom that we've organically taught ourselves, they can also feed us the, the, the what, okay, this is what you need to know from a law enforcement side. Right. So th- th- that exchange was extremely beneficial to both parties. Um, you know, we, I believe we're going to speak about the, uh, Samantha Hopper case in Arkansas. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I yeah. do want to get to that case, Doug, because yeah. Nightline, um, if you all get a chance to see it, did a beautiful report on this. Mm-hmm. And this is a case of, of, a a mom who was pregnant and had her little girl with her in her car who disappeared 23 years ago and her daughter reached out to you and, mm-hmm. And for me, what resonated so much was the daughter's story. From the daughter's perspective, she just thought her mother had abandoned her or her mother had left because the mom, Samantha, disappeared. Nobody knows. Nobody knew what happened to her. So for those 20 plus years, you have the, the victim's mother and daughter trying to figure out what happened, mm-hmm. what happened. And you were able to give this family difficult news, but that daughter sat there and said, my mom didn't leave me. My mom didn't abandon me. And that kind of healing, I mean, to give someone that after suffering for so long is just incredible. Just tell us about yeah. that story. Cause I just, I think it's one of your greatest cases. It, 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 it you know, it, it, it truly is, you know, um, very heavy stuff. All of them are. And, you know, this particular case technically involved us finding three people. She was eight months pregnant and she had her two-year-old child in the vehicle with her, um, you know, and she's just a couple of miles away from home and, you know, less than almost, I think it was about 10 feet of water for 23 years. 
which was mind blowing to think that the water level hadn't changed enough to expose the vehicle. And, um, you know, she just, it was just an accident. She went off the side of the road um, and was in an accident when everybody believed she left to go to a concert and it just, just wasn't the case. And fortunately we were able to provide her answers and um, yeah, as you, as you explained, you know, Desiree was able to take those answers and then the pain of not knowing and uh, assuming maybe that mom just up and left and it could have started a new life or, or was she tragically murdered and just not found. And here it is just, it was a tragic accident off the side of a little bridge, a little overpass really that just went off the side of the road. Um, and Yes, that's you guys definitely have to check that episode out if you haven't seen it. That's uh, it's, it's amazing. Very riveting yeah. stuff. Um, and 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 to get back onto that, you know, after that, the attorney general uh, Leslie Rutledge reached out and was like, her office was like, we need you to come and 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 hold a training symposium at our cold case conference because mm. I want our entire state to know what you guys do, how you do it, and so forth. And I did uh, a couple months ago in July, I, I went and I, I held that that training class and it was it, it went wonderful. You know, a room full of Love very it. distinguished law enforcement representatives wow. from all over the state and the country were there. And um, they were really honored to take in the knowledge that we represented with them with. And um, it, that's just, it goes to back to touch on law enforcement and them taking what we're doing and learning from it i'm in communication with the fbi as well as far as you know um you know there's there's i can't really get into it but they're they're very aggressive with wanting us to be a resource for them as well as learning from us and that's what this is all about we all have the same common denominator which is we want to help we want to do the most that we can with the powers that we have and you know law enforcement is very very receptive and if you guys have followed jared from the beginning there was there were some difficulties in the beginning rightfully so it, yes there were some bad apples he ran into but respect is earned you know that's and yeah. that's that's part of the process and nowadays it's not like that i can tell you that when i travel across the country i am bombarded with law enforcement who aggressively stop us and like hey doug Jared, like you, we look up to you guys. We love what you're doing. You guys are an inspiration to us. And uh, it, it means a lot to us because we consider ourselves just normal guys. And mm. um, it's an honor to be looked up upon and to know that we're really out there working with some very special capabilities that, that, that the world needs right now. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Lewis, I want to ask you something. So about half a million people a year go missing in the United States. And not all of them are, shall we say, are crimes. Like the the Samantha Hopper case, this is a woman who was the victim of a traffic accident. And so, but, but the thing is, they all get lumped into that they're just people who disappear. And they could have been kidnapped, they could have been murdered, they could have taken off. I mean, so, so Lewis, how... We don't usually pay a lot of attention, I think, to the cases of the cars that go into bodies of water and are never recovered in the middle of a storm or something like that. And no one knows that that's where they ended up. It's like this this area, area of missing people that until now has kind of been very dormant. Brian, no, I agree. Very, very difficult to uh, to to 
decipher which missing person deserves more attention than the other. They even have, you know, voluntary missing, which is a big category we run across all the time. People don't want to be found. So, but I think investigators and, and uh, Doug and Peter's team here, they, they've learned how to narrow that down and to put focus where it deserves to be. I love the fact you guys get stopped by law enforcement all the time across the country. Um, how, how many people are on your team, more or less? Uh, so, so right now, uh, we actually have about 20 people on the team. So that consists of uh, an editing team, our, our cameramen, uh, Josh, Brandon, uh, Devin. Uh, yeah, we have we have a, a, a pretty big presence behind the scenes uh, with making sure that our operation is being as successful as possible. Yeah. And that's what I love because it's not just it's the salvage, of course, but you're also documenting it. So so people are along with you on this investigation, which I think is a very important part of what you do. You get the results, but you also show people. It's, and it's how we, you know, it, it's, it's how we're able to do what we do. Um, you know, we, you, get, you get critics that are saying, oh, you guys are sensationalizing this and so forth. No, absolutely not. This, we, we, we're not backed by millions of dollars from, from agencies. And, and, you know, this is how we started. We started with Jared holding a camera and diving and getting treasure out of the waters. And the camera has been there the whole time. The families are there. The families are able to see other families' stories and reach out to us. That's how we get our cases. That's how we get our donations. And, uh, you know, you can buy a hat and a shirt to help put us on the road and produce and do amazing things in the world. And, uh, you know, if you can't understand that or see that in our episodes, I mean, it's just a negative Nelly, you know? Um, yeah, haters are gonna hate. Yeah, was, <laughs> you'll always I mean, have that. But to Anna's question, and, uh, with the incredible volume of missing people across this country here, right? You guys said it, you get stopped all the time by law enforcement. So you have 20 mm-hmm. employees, you have 20 people who are part of the team, right? It just, it, it statistically, if you doubled your team size or if you had tripled your team size, do you see these cold cases, because there's no shortage, being solved at that same type of rate, or even 50% of that rate, if you that's have the our, resources to do that? Yeah, that's, that, that is our goal. Absolutely. In, in fact, uh, this coming week, uh, starting September 20th, uh, we will be rolling out two teams across the nation. So, uh, you wow. know, the, 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 the amazing uh donation amount of donations and, and merchandise purchases that we've received you know we've been rolling all of that money back into purchasing new equipment uh outfitting an, another trailer uh i'm actually in my garage today rebuilding two boats uh, so that they can go out onto the uh out on the road uh this next week um so you know there, there's an, an incredible amount of money that goes into uh outfitting these rigs with all of the proper safe dive gear, uh, proper sonar equipment, um, all this, all the stuff that we, uh, use to go across the nation to help these families, uh, it wouldn't be possible without our community support. And you don't charge the families when a family calls you and you answer that call. Yes. You are are volunteers. Absolutely. We, we don't, we don't ever charge families or law enforcement a dime. We never will. Um, we mm. don't we don't seek rewards. Um, if a reward is give, if a reward is given to us, obviously we will honor it because we can help more families. But we're 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 one hundred percent volunteer when we come in 
And we just want to tell our story, the family story, so that we mm -hmm. can continue to help another family. I would imagine that not only the incredible success you've had from 2019 in solving so many cold cases, but there has to be many, many, many more cases as you've actually gone into bodies of water to clear that so that resource can be sent somewhere else. Yes, you, you, you hit it right on the nose. Um, I, I tell my guys all the time, no search is an unsuccessful search. Every search is successful because we are able to do one or two things. We're able to rule out where somebody is not or where they are. And in any investigation, if you can rule an area out and that's a success, these are, that's a somewhere a family member no longer has to drive by this body of water that they've mm -hmm. been driving by for 10 years and worrying about that. I can remove that burden from them. Cause that's what we do when we work cases. That's one of the main things I asked them that Jared has taught me is we're here for you. What have you been worried about? Do you have a body of water you're concerned with? And we'll rule that out first, even if it doesn't fit with our tactics. So, uh, or if we're working with a detective, if we don't find what we're looking for and we're able to come in and rule the region out, they know they can now focus their efforts and resources, like you said, in a more efficient manner elsewhere. Yep. Wow. Tremendous. Guys, you're amazing. Doug, Peter, um, your whole team. We're so grateful for the work you do. Thank you for coming on the program. People who want to follow you, I mean, in case you haven't, <laughs> so if you've been under a rock and you haven't heard of this team, <laughs> where can people follow you and all the work and your resources? Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, uh, all of our content is free to watch on YouTube. So just go to YouTube, search Adventures with Purpose, subscribe to the channel. Uh, if if you do have the means to afford, uh, you know, just like a cup of coffee a month, you can join as a member on YouTube and be able to watch some uh, re early released footage uh, from our team. Uh, and, you know, another way to support us, too, is uh, to visit our website, www.adventureswithpurpose.com. Uh, grab a hat, grab a T-shirt. Every dollar goes a long ways. So thank you. And Doug, for families out there who are like, how do I find them? I need to talk to Doug and I need to talk to him now. Um, yes. What method or which website or email or, or how can people get in touch with you? Yes. So uh, for something along those lines, they can reach out to me directly at Doug at adventureswithpurpose.com. Uh, just, you know, be very specific in your in your subject area on your email. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll process that and vet that and get back to you as soon as possible. And yep. we will link um, to your uh, YouTube page and your website. And Lewis, where can people find you? My entire social media footprint is at getbitinvestigations.com. Wow, I've, I'm excited to have, and honored to have had the chance to, to chat with you guys. Incredible yeah, work to you and your whole team. Wow. Thank you for making the Much time, respect. really, because yeah. we've been waiting for you and you're worth <laughs> the wait. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. It's a great work. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. You can find me, Anna G News, Anna with one N, um, you know, on all social media sites. Uh, of course, you can find all our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can get our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. So until next week, this is True Crime Daily, the podcast. I'm your host, Anna Garcia. And as we always say, don't do crime. <laughs>